0: pharmacy podcast nation you got to listen in every tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics game changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice every tuesday a new episode of game changers is published on the pharmacy podcast network thanks so much for listening And always remember, the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare. Another edition of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University, um, and uh, uh, hopefully your host for the next 30 minutes of some interesting and, uh, dare I say, even entertaining information as we kind of go along here. So, uh, appreciate all of you uh, downloading, listening to the podcast. Please do, uh, wherever you're, if you're listening to your podcast, be sure and like us. Uh, and be sure and spread the word on your social media, to your friends. Uh, you know, this is, I think, a pretty easy and hopefully informative way uh, to, to, to get some information. Also, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Uh, the music that uh, that uh, intros us and 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 outros us is actually my music. I actually uh, do do play music uh, and re- and produce electronic music. And uh, my new my new EP is on its way out in just two or three weeks. So I will be letting you know when that's at. And it's uh, mostly kind of deep house or uh, kind of a uh, uh, synthesizer based sort of stuff. So if you like that kind of stuff, I hope you like it and hope you listen to it. So anyway, uh, getting Away from my own personal <laughs> uh, plugs to uh, talking about uh, something again, not a COVID because we, we we've really been trying hard to not give you guys a daily diet of COVID, uh, but we're going to give you something that maybe not be might not be as appetizing. And that's of course talking about Clostridium difficile, and uh, the, the the impetus for this is a paper that actually just came out in uh, CID. I, I, in fact, I don't even think it's now been more than three or four days uh, that looks at um, using oral vancomycin. For the prevention of uh, healthcare facility-associated, and and again, I'm an old man, so I still call it, you know, Clostridium difficile or C. diff. It's now, of course, Clostridiodes because the taxonomists have to have something to do, right? They can't just sit around and and after they've named something, leave it alone. So it's now uh, Clostridiodes uh, difficile, but I'm still going to call it C. diff. So just blame it on me being an old man. Um, And uh, uh, this paper itself actually took a look at uh, giving prophylactic vancomycin in patients at high risk for C. diff uh, to determine whether that would be protective against them uh, getting it. And and there's been some previous studies on this, some small studies. There was a retrospective study that that actually came out of uh, uh, CID uh, about four years ago, where they looked at giving vancomycin uh, orally BID in patients who had a history of recurrence of C. diff who required systemic uh, antibiotics for another infection, and so it's like, well, we're you know scared to do that because if we do that, then we you know put them at risk for having C. Diff again. If we if we can we can prophylax them with with vancomycin. That might help, and and that study that came out in 2016 uh, did in fact find that it decreased the risk of of developing um, a, a C diff in these patients at high risk who needed antibiotics for other reasons. So that was a you know a retrospective uh, cohort study. This is a, a randomized prospective open label study, and so this is probably going to give us a higher level of evidence. Um, and and this paper again, which just published in CID, was done out of Winston Salem, North Carolina, and. Uh, what was done uh, uh, just in the last couple of years, and so what they did in the study, kind of interesting, is is uh, they. Um, uh, looked at this huge, and they looked at at, at a big hospital in, in Winston-Salem, a 900-bed basically hospital in Winston-Salem, and they uh, wanted to take a look and target patients because so, obviously we're not going to give oral vancomycin to every single person who's on antibiotics, so they wanted to target people at high risk for developing C. diff in the hospital when they receive systemic antibiotics, and that included patients over age 60 years who had been hospitalized previous, th- uh, than 30, uh, previous uh, 30 days prior to hospitalization and then uh, uh, receive systemic antibiotics during that previous hospitalization. Uh, in this group, then uh, those people who are considered high risk uh, um, th- and they had to get at least one dose of systemic antibiotics based on that were put into a computer-based r- a risk prediction model. And they basically just spit out people in this risk risk protection model who they felt were at high risk. And anyone who was, was at high risk, they were consented and then randomized to receive either daily vancomycin just one day once a day. So vancomycin oral solution, probably because it's cheaper, 125 milligrams once daily, uh, while receiving systemic antibiotics, which they continued for five days after the completion of antibiotics versus just usual care, which of course was no antibiotics. They excluded people from the study if they were taking vancomycin for another reason, oral vancomycin for another reason, or flagyl metronidazole for another reason, or they had any other contraindication to to using them, or uh, had known or suspected active CDI prior to, uh, prior to conclu- uh, inclusion of the study. So an important piece of this paper wa- was that they did not necessarily target patients who had a history of CDI. They just looked at patients who are who at high risk for developing uh, um, a, a C. diff infection during uh, their hospitalization. Now, that previous study that in, in 2016 I talked about, they specifically targeted people who had, had a history of C. diff. So it is a, a, a different patient population that you're talking about. The primary, Endpoint was the development of, of, of uh, Clostridium difficile infection. Uh, this was defined as people who had loose stools or diarrhea in the absence of other causes and a positive stool test for C. diff, and they actually used the PCR expert test uh, that I think most hospitals are using at at, at this point. Um, This was all reviewed by a hospital physician who was blinded to the the, uh, uh, results, so they didn't know what was going on with that. And they're the ones who made the diagnosis, basically, and then the uh, investigator was also blinded to the treatment arm to which the patient was allocated. They looked at other secondary outcomes, including hospital costs, which would be pretty important, I think, uh, side effects, which there shouldn't be a whole lot of that, new VRE colonization. So, P, you know, there's always been that fear that if you give a lot of oral vancomycin, you're going to select out for vancomycin-resistant enterococcus in patient stools, and that down the road might put them at risk of developing invasive uh, VRE infections, um, and then uh, a host of other kind of other uh, adverse effects. They also looked downstream, so they didn't just look in the hospitalization, but they also did follow-up uh, phone calls uh, at about a month after discharge, and then they actually did medical reviews three months after discharge to see if they downstream had developed uh, uh, C. diff infections as well. Uh, They also did do a, uh, a, a multivariate analysis where they tried to look for other uh, confounders that might put people at risk for C. diff. So that included how sick they were, their Charleston comorbidity index, uh, what antibiotic they were on, because as we know, you know, different antibiotics have different risks for uh, um, inducing C. diff. Um, they also looked at people who were on H2 blockers or proton pump inhibitors, because I think we have pretty good data now that shows that at least proton pump inhibitors do uh, yeah, either increase the risk of C. diff or... Um, uh, increase the risk of recurrence. I think the data is stronger for the latter, that, that people, it increases the risk of recurrence with C. diff, right? So getting on to the results they had 106 patients enrolled in the study, uh, they excluded six of them for a variety of reasons. So they ended up with 100, uh, 100 even. And so they had 50 in the usual care arm and 50 in the people who got the daily liquid vancomycin 125. And what they found in this small study uh, was uh, that uh, um, the patients who received daily vancomycin did not get C. diff during the course of the hospitalization or in the up to three months after. In the control arm, six patients um, in, uh, who, who, are, who did not receive daily vancomycin did develop C. diff infection and uh, two of them developed it in, this, in the three months downstream. Now, that first part, the hospital acquired C. diff was statistically significant, while the second part was not, because um, so, it was only two, two cases, so it, it was not. But basically, this small study did suggest that that being on, on uh, uh, daily vancomycin and targeting patients at high risk does decrease the, the, the incidence of developing C. diff infection. The patients themselves were patients you'd expect to see in the hospital at high risk. Their mean age was 75. Um, uh, the big antibiotics that they were on, uh, the, big, the big ones were cephalosporins and fluoroquinolones were probably the big two classes of antibiotics. A small group was on CLINDA, uh, though it is interesting to note that a, a higher number of, of patients in the no prophylaxis group got CLINDA compared to the people who received prophylaxis. I will you my personal feeling on that, I think clindamycin, yes, definitely does cause C. diff, but I think it kind of gets unfairly painted with the C. diff brush. I think that if you take a look at the actual uh, percentages of of drugs that cause C. diff, yes, clindamycin is at the top of the list, but so the numbers are actually the exact same as cephalosporin. So, you know, I think I I tried in my mind to try and think that, you know, Keflex is probably as likely to cause C. diff as clindamycin is in patients. And I I know that's something that a lot of us don't think about when we think about, about antibiotics and stuff like that. So these patients were on, on I think, a fairly high number of, of, of drugs that we would consider to be high risk for developing C. diff. Um, and then when they took a look at at uh, um, uh, healthcare costs and things along those lines, uh, they, they did they um, did find that 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 healthcare costs were, were decreased in the patients who did receive prophylaxis, even though you had the added cost of of uh, of adding the oral vancomycin uh, in in these patients. Uh, that that the overall healthcare costs were decreased. I don't, I don't think that's a big surprise because again, a single incidence of C. Diff. They estimate costs somewhere between ten and. $15,000, and that is a lot of oral vancomycin, <laughs> so if you kind of mix the two together, it, it, it isn't really all that surprising that that, 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 that happened. Um, the actual... Uh, um, uh, Total doses of vancomycin given in the entire study were 600 doses, and they they estimated that 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 equals out to just a straight up cost to the patient. Obviously not charge, but straight up cost to the patient of only $26. So, so again, not a not a you know a blockbuster study that's going to you know immediately change uh, you know practice tomorrow or anything. But I think it 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 does make us think a little bit about. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, in in, with everything with COVID going on and and things along those lines, C. diff is still at epidemic proportions in most hospitals in the United States. And that includes my hospital. Um, You know, certainly I think we've made real strides since the early 2000s when it was not unusual at all for me to have two or three patients on my medicine service or my ICU service who had C-diff. Now, it's, that's much rarer, and I think that's just literally because we're better at isolating these patients, better at making sure we're cleaning these patients, making sure we're washing our hands and things along those lines. Um, but it's still an epidemic, and it's still a costly epidemic, and I will tell you, I've seen in the last two years at least two people die because they developed overwhelming C-diff infection, and you know even one of them who ended up receiving an emergency collect- um, ended up passing uh, shortly after that. So you know, vancom uh, or C. Diff is still a big problem, and and you know, yes, COVID nineteen is is probably a bigger problem right now. But we don't want to overlook the fact that we're still in, still dealing with this epidemic of 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 antibiotic uh, uh, in, induced C. Diff that we're dealing with. Now, there's been some uh, people who have who argued that that the, the the key to do to, to, to dealing with this this epidemic. Besides the things we're already doing, is to use antibiotics that just have less risk, right? We know drugs like, for example, the, the, the tetracyclines have a much lower risk of, of C dip than, say the cephalosporins do we know the immunoglycosides do that's all probably true but but um, you know the problem with that is that there are times where doxycycline is just probably not a good a good choice for the for the infection that we're dealing with you know uh, you know it works okay for cap it works okay for for you know maybe skin and soft tissue infections but we're probably not going to use it for septic shock we're probably not going to use it for for other you know interabdominal infections things like that so I mean the bottom line is that 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 uh, beta lactams and cephalosporins in particular are are some of our workhorse agents, and I don't I don't see that approach changing significantly. I don't see the I don't see us making a wholesale change to antibiotics that that just cause less C diff just for that purpose. Same. Now I think we've done a better job in the last you know four or five years you know at least in my hospital backing off on fluoroquinolones. I think uh, I will I will give total props to my infectious disease colleagues uh, who I think have done a really good job of of laying out the the numerous and and it seems like uh, every day increasing risks associated with the fluoroquinolones and saying that, you know, maybe we can do a better job using other antibiotics. So I think overall our use of antibiotics in, in, in my hospital when it comes to quinolones has really decreased, but I know that's not true throughout throughout the country. And so, um, you know, th- these are drugs we're going to use. And so I think the approach of, well, we're just not going to use antibiotics to cause C. diff is probably not a practicable one, unfortunately. So it does bring up the, fa- the question, you know, it, you know, is this a way to do this? And again, we can't, just give oral vancomycin to everybody. We, we we're going to have to target patients, but there's been numerous studies that have done so. There've been numerous studies that have looked at people who are at risk, and it, and it's the and it's the people you think they're people people over age 60, people who have cancer, people who have some sort of inflammatory condition of the gut, so you know Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, things like that, uh, immunosuppressed patients, so patients who either you know are are have had a stem cell transplant or patients who uh, are on immunosuppressive drugs for 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 other transplants or for other sorts of of diseases. Um, And then again, the antibiotics. So, I mean, it's not just the drug, it's the patient. And can we come up with a kind of a modeling system that allows us to to target this? The fact that it's once a day, I think helps with with the cost issue quite a bit, which is kind of nice. They did not see in the study a significant increase of of VRE colonization, um, which is good to see as well. Um, So, uh, you know, even though it's a pretty small study, so, you know, I think for this paper, I, again, I'm not going to jump up and down and say that, you know, it, it's my, it's going to be my mission in life to hurry up and develop this, a computer-based model to do this. But I think it is reasonable for for hospitals, especially as we start emerging from uh, the COVID crisis, to start thinking about ways that we can target uh, patients at high risk. And, you know, in this study, they did not include patients with previous history of C. diff. I would say that would be one of the biggest risks of all, because we know that the biggest risk of you having another episode of C diff is your first episode of C diff and so um, you know you could argue that 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 you know could could we could we translate this data into that population I don't see where it would be unreasonable to consider again once or twice daily vancomycin. and certainly in my hospital based on that 2016 study we've, we've been doing that quite a bit so so that you know I think I think it's an interesting paper I think uh, it, it, it's very thought-provoking and so the question will be you know you know what do we do with it and 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 if since we can't give oral vancomycin to everybody, you know what? How do health systems target those patients? You know, while we're at it, I think it is worth a, a brief review of, of the of the 2017 IDSA guidelines. Um, that again, obviously, would not have incorporated this paper um, because I, I still get questions about the, the 2017 guidelines, and I think it's I think it's just kind of worth discussing. Uh, you know, to, especially for community pharmacists out there who may not have had time to read the new guidelines. There have been some significant changes, as I think many people know. Um, one of the things that you talk about, at least for for treatment, is that is that it, you really do need kind of a two step test for, for um, uh, C. diff, uh, that you need something to look for the, the bug that actually can produce the toxin, and then looking for the toxin itself. Uh, either test by themselves actually is not sensitive or specific enough to capture most uh, almost all the patients of C. diff that you want. And so the guidelines recommend that that using two testing combination is probably the, the most sensitive and specific way to detect C. diff. At my hospital, and I think in most hospitals I know, they use some sort of PCR test like the expert testing they used in this paper uh, to, to actually find the, the, the toxin forming bug. So this is this is C. diff that, that actually will produce toxin A or B. Remember that not all C. diff does that. And then uh, uh, to confirm the test, then they will follow that up with, with an enzyme immunoassay to actually look for the toxin. And so um, again, uh, using both together gives you the highest sensitivity and specificity to make sure the patient does in fact have C. diff. Now, I will tell you that I've had several cases where someone was having multiple watery diarrheal stools a day, they, uh, you know, had risk factors for C. diff, their PCR was positive, but their EIA was negative, and we still continue treating them because, again, you know, it, it, neither test is perfect by itself, and we felt that that the, the clinical circumstances kind of outweighed uh, the, the results of the EIA and, and said, you know, no, well, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and continue, continue a treatment course. Um, remember to not Perform repeat testing. I've seen that mistake made a few times. Where well, let's check and see if they have C. Diff anymore. Remember that once you're colonized with C. Diff, you're probably colonized probably for your lifetime. Um, you know, and so the question is, you know, can can we can we keep the your 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 gut biome, uh, you know, set up so that it keeps that C. Diff in check and keeps it from running rampant and starting producing a whole bunch of, of diarrhea. Uh, wash hands, wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. Uh, it's, uh, soap and water is preferred alcohol-based gel. Uh, According to the guidelines, now again, if you don't have at ready access to soap and water, uh, alcohol-based gels <laughs> yeah, yeah, are, are, are certainly reasonable. Of course, this was all written long before the COVID crisis, when you could actually easily get alcohol-based hand gels. I was thinking just the other day. Remember, I would you you you'd get those that you you'd get these little bottles of alcohol gel and and you know little welcome packs and you know when you started at the hospital there was you know you always got a little bottle of them and it's like that all disappeared when when the COVID crisis started. So it's amazing how things become very valuable very quickly. Um, as far as treatment is concerned, I think the big change, especially for community farms to keep in mind, is that, that metronidazole is no longer recommended as first line. And it's not that metronidazole doesn't work anymore or anything like that. It's just that, that studies have shown pretty conclusively that uh, vancomycin is associated with less recurrence. So it, again, it isn't that metronidazole would not necessarily treat C. diff. It's that the odds of recurrence um, are less with vancomycin than they are with, with metronidazole. Because of that, they basically say that that, that vancomycin is, is 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 should not be used in most cases. Now, if you're in a low resource situation or a patient, you know, literally just cannot afford vancomycin, even though the costs of I think have come way down with, with the liquid vancomycin, um, it, you know, then it says that it is reasonable to consider metronidazole. But vancomycin is considered first line. Vidaxamycin is also considered as an alternative. Um, I'll be honest, I have little experience with it simply because it's so unbelievably expensive. We actually don't have it on formulary at my hospital. Um, there was a head-to-head study done with Fidaxomycin versus Vanco that showed less uh, recurrence. So uh, certainly that that might be a consideration you know, in, in that first episode. If you have some super sick patients, so for the hospital pharmacist listening, um, they recommend Vancomycin 500 milligrams orally four times a day or given as an enema, which of course is just fun for everybody if you have to mix it and give it uh, every six hours as Retention enema um, plus IV metronidazole altogether. Um, um, I, I hasten to point out that there is no data that I'm aware of that looks at combination therapy being better than, than just vancomycin. But it's what the guidelines have said for years, and so that's what pretty much everybody does. Um, I will say that that if you got a really a sick patient, a shocky patient, you know, in, in the ICU, uh, do not hesitate to, to, to consult surgery. I've made that mistake myself a couple of times. And remember that that you know, there is a point. Where where these patients are so sick that the only thing that's going to save their life is literally getting their colon out, you know, getting the source of infection out. So um, about 20 to 25% of people recur with C. diff. And so when those patients, if they have a recurrence, the guidelines recommend a pulsed vancomycin course. And there's a number of these pulsed regimens out there. The Johns Hopkins regimen is the six-week regimen where you start off at four times a day, then two times a day, then once a day, then every other day over kind of a six-week period. Uh, or you can try fidaxomycin. If you haven't tried fidaxomycin at that point, Point, and that if you have greater than one recurrence, the guidelines do recommend going right to fecal transplant. Um, it's not a not an appetizing subject, um, but 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 fecal transplant has been shown to be pretty effective in um, most cases with 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 uh, uh, cure rates in the 80 to 85 percent range. But again, this is where COVID kind of creeps in because most of my docs, anyway, around here in in the Des Moines area, uh, my GI docs have have stopped doing uh, fecal transplant because of of the COVID crisis, and so we've had a couple of cases now where patients would have gone on to to get FMT, um, but, but uh, the, because they're not doing it, uh, we had to go to something else like, again, pulse vancomycin or, 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 or uh, um, fidaxomicin. I've now seen a couple times used for that. Uh, there was one small study looking at pulse vancomycin followed by rifaximin. Again, I guess if you're Bruce Wayne and have all the money in the world, you could afford that, uh, but that gets pretty pricey as well. The other thing that people talk about um, as far as prophylaxis is, is probiotics. And and I get that question, I think at least once 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 a, a year about, you know, you know, is there data showing that prophylaxis with probiotics prevents C. diff? And the answer is we don't we're not really sure because there really hasn't been very good randomized control trials that have looked at this. But if you look at the balance of the evidence, um, I think it shows that probiotics probably do decrease the risk of developing C diff, but they probably don't help once somebody has as see this. Or has had an episode of C diff, and so um, um, if you have uh, if you have someone who you think is at high risk, and you're not you don't want to start this vancomycin protocol, is it reasonable in an immunocompetent patient to stop to start probiotics? I think so. Um, again, remember that they have to be immunocompetent. There's been case reports of people developing fungal infections and stuff because they were severely immunocompromised and then received probiotics for a variety of reasons. And then finally, I think the other thing the pharmacists can really get involved with is 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 proton pump. Inhibitors again. Uh, you know, we've known from several uh, several cohort studies that proton pump inhibitors increase the risk of developing C diff, or associated with that, they're also associated with recurrence. And there was one study that that did suggest that that stopping. Uh, proton pump inhibitors during C diff treatment actually decreases recurrence, and so that's kind of been my go-to. Is like if they're only on it for GERD or something like that, or they haven't had a GI bleed in the last six months or a year, I think it's completely reasonable to hold the proton pump inhibitor during the course of treatment. It's only two weeks; it's not going to really hurt them or anything. So I've, I've always thought that's that's a good way to go. So anyway, so that's kind of you know kind of a whirlwind update on on C diff and and and, and this new paper, and where will this fit in the new guidelines is, is a great question. I. Think think it it does give us something to think about as we kind of go along. and speaking of thinking about stuff. Let's think about uh, CE Impact, which uh, I am always grateful for for sponsoring this this podcast. And uh, I want, uh, you know, they have a ton of great uh, programs and CE uh, programs for you to take a listen to. And we're going to hear from them actually right now. Game Changers discusses clinical guidelines and pharmacotherapy trends that significantly impact practice. Game Changers is produced and accredited by CE Impact and hosted by Dr. Jeff Wall. New episodes are released each week and available for pharmacy continuing education credit to CE Impact subscribers. CE Impact subscription service brings you the CE you need on the topics that matter the most. Check out the link to sign up in the show notes. Use code podcast for a pharmacy podcast network discount. So C diff again, you know the the epidemic that that has kind of fallen from our from our view screen as, as, as COVID is as COVID has really overwhelmed it. Um, I've certainly seen our incidence of C diff decrease in my hospital. That may be true where you practice, it may not be. Uh, this new paper does suggest that that we might be able to target high risk patients. That it seems to be safe. It seems to at least be pretty effective, and it's associated with a decrease in in costs. So now it's up to the antimicrobial steward pharmacist out there, and again you don't necessarily have to be a highfalutin, super-duper trained uh, ID pharmacist to do this. Again, I'm not an ID-trained pharmacist. You know, I, you know, I, I think you can get involved and, and work with your infection control group, work with your ID group, work with your your physicians about, you know, what's, what's a good way to target these patients. Uh, certainly, if you're working in the community and you're seeing that a patient's, you know, receiving multiple courses of oral vancomycin and things like that, is it something to think about discussing with their physician and saying, hey, the next time they need, you know, Uh, a drug for their urinary tract infection. First up, maybe not pick Levoquin or Cepro. And second up, uh, maybe this daily uh, vancomycin may prevent them from developing C. diff again. So anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Uh, Again, please like us where you listen to podcasts. Please uh, spread the word. Uh, Be sure to get to CE Impact. Go to their website. Check them out. They've got great programs. Sign up for ours so you can get CE and get credit for listening to me Blather on. And we will catch you next week. But remember, uh, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. So you take care and we'll talk to you next week.